0: So we spent a few weeks kind of preparing for Easter, and we talked about what we had to put first at Easter, which is the gospel, which is Jesus Christ and His resurrection, the empty grave. And I guess in light of that and a little bit, because of what we'll hopefully we'll talk about tonight, I wanted to follow up with the, the ending, so to speak. I believe we mentioned that Christ obviously was raised from the dead, and he saw many people. We talked about some of those in our sunrise service who had different reactions to his presence afterwards. He was around off and on for about 40 days before his uh, final ascension, if you will, to be seated at the right hand of God before he comes back one more time. And during those 40 days, he was uh, preaching and teaching to quite a few different people, including his disciples. And the last record we have, we get what we commonly call the Great Commission. I want to read that today. That's in Matthew, last chapter, verse 28, or I'm sorry, chapter 28, Matthew 28. I'll start with verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And comforting words challenging that he's given us something to do he's given us as this is subtitled in my scriptures and probably yours as well a commission or a mission that we are to go and do comforting to know that the beginning and the end he has all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him and then he tells us to go he's with us always even until the end of the age so he gave us some instructions and that's what i want to focus on today for just a few minutes. So the idea that there is a, a commission, right? We are told to go and do something. We are ordered to go and do something. So commission is a, a committing or a sending. It's the act of entrusting as a charge or duty something for us to do. We may give commissions or we may receive commissions at different points in our lives to do different things. In this case, it is a spiritual commission. We are told what we are to go and do now this may seem and if you really again I hope that you are um, engaged in the word of God and kind of stepping back and rethinking or at least letting come to mind some things you may have taken for granted so it may seem obvious to many of us having grown up that we would go and tell people about Jesus Christ that we would take the gospel uh, to those who need it but maybe you've never thought about Like, why? So if you recall, the Apostle Paul, when he was on his way to murder Christians, Jesus Christ in person came, blinded him. He was converted there. And so you have to ask yourself, why doesn't Christ do that with all of us? Why doesn't he come in a blazing glory that he is and confront us on our way to do harm and change the very nature of who we are when we put our faith in him? why instead does he send us it's an interesting question isn't it maybe you've asked yourself that question for why are we here well this is part of why you're here you're you are here and remain on earth to have a relationship with him and you are commissioned you are sent you are on a mission to tell other people about him and that is the way that god has chosen to (coughs) fulfill and let others know about him And so this isn't just a random choice that we have. This isn't just a, well, it's optional. It isn't just something that the pastor or the preacher in a church does. It is, in fact, something that we are to all do. We are all commissioned. We are all told to go out and to share the gospel. For whatever reason, he's chosen not to come in a blinding light to each and every one of us individually. And, in fact, the Bible says that he's chosen the foolishness of preaching that's 1 Corinthians 1 It says, uh, For after in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So we can have all the wisdom in the world. We can understand logic and, and think through everything all we want to. But the reality is, the foolishness of this idea that I'm going to get up here and tell you something, read scripture to you, that God is going to then use that to change your life seems kind of silly. that's how God has chosen to work. And I think when he talks about preaching there, he's talking about proclaiming the word. And that is something that we are all told to do, not just me. So again, just going back to our root definition here, we have this concept of a mission that's being sent or delegated by an authority with certain powers for transacting business, a commission, or being sent on for a mission. So that's a a definition. And I want to emphasize something. It says being sent or delegated by an authority for a certain task with powers to conduct business. And so I think this makes a lot of sense when we think about what Christ has done. He has told us to go and to make disciples of all nations. He has told us this is, in fact, our mission and we, when we go, we must also understand that we are only going with the power that He has given us, which is the power of God. It's not my own power, it's not my own will, it's not my own abilities, but instead it is His power. Romans 1 reminds us, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And what this means, I think, is very clear that if I go under my own authority, in my own power, without Christ having sent me, and I go in the wisdom of the world to try and convince people about Jesus Christ, I go without Him and absent His authority and His power. What I have to have when I am conducting a mission, when I am trying to tell others about the gospel, is the power that comes from God, not any power that rests in me. And we too often become too dependent on ourselves and our own power and fail to rest in the power of God. But if we're going to be sent out among those who need to hear the gospel, we have to go only with the power of God. Now it says in here, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have. Now as I've confessed to you, I'm no Greek scholar, by any stretch of the imagination, but a few things that I read about this made some interesting points. It was pointed out that really the focus of this, the, the active verb, if you will, is the part where we make disciples. And the other parts are supporting that. So going, baptizing, teaching, those are the things that we do to get to the the goal the point, which is to make disciples. And a disciple is someone who follows after someone else. And so we're not making many disciples of me or disciples of you, but disciples of Jesus Christ. And we do those by going and teaching. And so this is very important that we understand that we are to go out and to make disciples, not simply just make converts. Oh, you see, there's a very important difference there isn't there because someone who is new in christ is a new creature and in multiple times in the scripture they're referred to as children as little babies in the word and so we are to do more than just have converts absolutely we are to uh, preach the word so that people under the power of god come to know him but then we are to disciple them which means to help them to mature to follow after god and to follow his will so, it's not simply just enough to go and to convert. We must make sure that we are uh, developing people into the disciples, into those who will follow after him. Now, don't get me wrong, the scripture is also clear that some of us plant and some of us water, but it's God that gives the increase. And so lest again we think somehow that it's wrong just to share the gospel or it's wrong to not share the gospel but only to help grow, we are to be involved in all of those things but to also understand just as we must have the power of God into salvation, it is the power of God that gives the increase. You see, it is my job to stand here and to preach to you. It is God's job to give the increase. I am called to be responsible to you, and the scripture says that I am. Responsible to those whom He has given me. I will be called an account someday for how well I have done, but not based on how well you have matured as Christians, but how well I have followed the doctrine of the Scripture and preached the truth to you faithfully. It's God's job to help you grow. And so when we go out, and we should go out and do these things to uh, develop and uh, win disciples for Christ, we should make sure that they know the truth, that they come to a saving knowledge of him, and then we help teach them how to follow after him. So what is ultimately the mission? Well, it's proclaiming Christ as the only Savior from sin and the only way to life. This is the gospel, what's called the good news, right? We go to a lost and a dying world. We explain to them that they are lost and they are dying, right? We tell them that the only uh, source of salvation, the only way to overcome this lostness, the only way to to overcome the fact that they are dead in their sins is to have faith in Jesus Christ. So we tell them who Jesus Christ is. This is the good news over and over and over again that from... (laughs) The beginning of time and we fell, until the time when Christ comes back and it's all over, we shall repeat that we are dead in our trespasses, and the only way to be saved is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So we must proclaim the gospel, salvation first, and then obviously, as it says, making a disciple, someone who follows closely, second. Where is this mission? Well, it's everywhere. Going into every nation gives us this idea that we should go everywhere. And I think sometimes we're maybe concerned that, well, if we're not actually on a mission as in a different nation, maybe we're not really doing mission work. And that's, I think, completely false. Some of us have missions at home, Amen. at school, at work. Everywhere we go, the reality is there are people who need to hear the gospel. There are people who need to be discipled to be more like Jesus Christ. And so the reality is everywhere we go, world without end is the mission field. And so every time we go somewhere, we should be taking with us the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to get kind of critical for a minute. That's nothing too new, is it? (laughs) What's not a mission? I'm going to give a caveat here, which is kind of a a but-for phrase. So, in most cases, a mission is not being friendly, helpful, nice, or just simply giving things. We're called to naturally be that way as Christians and as followers. Now, it's okay to do those things. There's no problem at all. But it goes back to this idea that if we just simply send someone on their way with well wishes and don't share with them the gospel, we've done exactly nothing. We are to be friendly and nice and encouraging. We're supposed to be giving. We're supposed to be helpful. But what we're supposed to do, as the scripture tells us, is to make disciples. That is people who follow after Christ. Now, those things naturally flow from us who follow after Christ, don't they? Yes, absolutely. That's why still to this day... This is one of the most giving countries in the world, if not the most giving country in the world. And I think that goes all the way back to the idea that we're founded upon Christian principles and are still, even though falling quickly away, more Christian, quote-unquote, than many other countries. And we, as a result, give more than any other country because we understand that's a part of a nature of what we do. But the mission is the gospel of Christ, not the things of this world, you see. And so we must be very careful how we do these things. And I want us to consider one brief example. Turn with me to the book of Acts. In the 17th chapter. I'm going to do some summary. So if you want to turn actually to the chapter 4 and chapter 16, we see a couple of things that's going on here. Now, I mentioned at the beginning, you know, there's a question for why doesn't God directly and physically confront every one of us? He does not. That is his choice. And while we might question that, I'm not going to argue with it. What we see is instead that we are sent on a commission to go and to make disciples. And we see this is exactly what the Apostle Paul and others are doing. But he runs into some problems. And so in chapter 16... We see that he's in Philippi, gets himself in a bit of trouble, gets thrown into a jail, into the innermost jail. Does he stop giving the mission, the gospel? No. He continues to pray. He continues to sing hymns despite his adversity. The Lord comes and miraculously frees them. And the result is what? The jailer and his household come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But the trouble isn't really over. So he leaves and goes to Thessalonica. Again, now you're starting to recognize not only is that there are uh, people being saved here, but we know these as Bible books. Why? Because the church is established and Paul gives them instructions. So we see Philippians and then we go to Thessalonica where we get Thessalonians from. And Paul goes there and begins to teach and begins to preach, and there's a mob that comes around him and wants to throw him and the other disciples out. Why? Not because they're giving things away, not because they're super nice to people, but because they are charged with turning the whole world upside down. And see, that's what the truth of the gospel actually does. When we go to people and we tell them, you cannot live this way. Why? Because God says it is not allowed. You should live this way. Why? Because this is what God says you should do. This is who Jesus Christ is. That you killed, that was resurrected, and that is seated at the right hand of God. And when we tell the truth, when we take the actual gospel out, it will turn the whole world upside down. And the mob comes around and says, these are the same people who are turning the world upside down. We don't want them around. And they try to kick him out. So they go on to Berea. And they find some uh, people who are believing there. They're having good effort in making disciples in Berea. But what happens? Well, the the mob from Thessalonica finds them and they come to Berea to start problems there. And so they send Paul off again. And he goes to Athens. And this is where I want to read for just a minute. So if you followed along now, I'm in Acts chapter 17. I want to begin with verse 14. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. This is in Berea. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. So let me pause here for just a minute. So they've they've taken Paul to Athens, and Paul has said, go back and get Timothy and Silas and bring them here from Berea. There is work to do here. And in the meantime, it seems that Paul is going to wait for them to come. And this is the important part. In verse 16, and I've preached on this before, it picks up and it says, Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him, and he saw that the city was full of idols. Again, I'm just going to pause there for just a second full of idols. I've, I've read somewhere that, uh, an ancient person who lived in this time was recorded as saying, it's more difficult to find a person than an idol in this city. There's just idols everywhere, hundreds, thousands of them all over the place. Everything was lined with idols and Paul, while he's trying to wait for his brothers to come to do a ministry, to do the gospel, to be on mission in this city, cannot wait any longer. Paul was waiting for them in Athens. His spirit was provoked within him when he saw how much the city was given over to idols. He could not stop the gospel. And so in verse 17, it says, So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. So Paul wasn't going to wait. He felt uh, provoked, uh, as one translation says. Others say he was stirred. Others said he was angered. Whatever the idea is, is that when Paul saw how much need there was in Athens, he was going to go on mission, if you will, and give the gospel. You'll also notice he reasoned with them every day in the synagogues, in the marketplace, or the area where people uh, came um, to hang out, I guess, if you will, the day. You'll notice some things he didn't do. He didn't have a little Christian meme with like three words you just, you know, put up on Facebook. He reasoned with them. He debated with them. He talked with them. And he did it every single day. He also didn't spend six months. Boy, I'm going to be critical again. He didn't spend six months to a year opening up a food pantry so that one day he could slide in like a little track about Jesus Christ. He walked right in and told them the God that you have been worshiping that you don't know about. If you read the rest of the scripture, I know who he is and you need to listen to who he is because he is the God that made everything. He didn't pull any punches is what I'm trying to say. He didn't build up time and time. He didn't start uh, a preschool and slowly teach the kids to hum the little tune for Jesus loves me that eventually let them, you know, I'm going to teach the words now. He walked in and he told them the truth about Jesus Christ. He gave them the gospel barring nothing. Now was he kind and affectionate and helpful and gave things to people? I'm sure that he did. But the point is his mission was to share the gospel, not anything else. So he reasoned with them in the the synagogues and he talked with them in the marketplace, anyone who would listen. I think I've mentioned this before. There's a a gentleman at the school, at the university. And almost every single day, even in light rain and even when it gets really cold, he sits outside of the library with a little hand-stitched bag that says, if you have questions about Christianity, come ask. And I saw him there all the time, like very dedicated. So one day I went and I sat down with him at like three other people, and we talked. What this man is doing, is that, that's his mission, He's not mincing words. Now, he'll tell you, first of all, like he's there to develop a relationship with people. But I guarantee you, every time I walked by, what was he talking about? Jesus Christ. See, that was first and foremost in his mind. Now, did he talk about other issues? Absolutely. Did I hear him uh, giving guidance to young college students about a dating relationship? Yes, I heard that. Did I hear him talking about the way the world was headed? Yes, I heard that as well. But his focus and his goal is to tell them the gospel, and they came time and time again and got to know him. Too many times, and I'll just go ahead and make a confession here, For whatever reason, I have failed to share the gospel with someone. And then even when I feel like, well, I really should, then I feel kind of bad, right? Because I've known them for six months or a year. I've worked with this person for three or four years. You know what? I've never told them my testimony. Or sometimes I think, well, I'll just continue to be nice and eventually someday I'll get to share the gospel with them. The reality is we are commissioned to go and to share the gospel, to make disciples. We are told to go out and to do this, to be bold, to share the gospel, not just be nice, not just make friends, not just give things away. We are told and commissioned by our Lord to do His work. Why? Because that's how He set it up. Because He left us here to carry out His mission, And lo, he is with us always. We have been commissioned, those of us who are believers, to make disciples. Yet many of us are not very disciple-like ourselves. We don't really follow after God like we should either. So that makes it really hard to fulfill the mission. Many of us feel, let's be honest, completely inadequate. Well, I don't... I don't know all these scriptures. I don't know what to say. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is where we go back to the power of God. It is not a license to be ignorant, but it is a comfort and understanding to know that the one who God gave all power and all authority on earth and in heaven, Jesus Christ will be with us until the end of the time. And all I have to do is open up my mouth and my desire to praise him. And God will help me know what to say. It is not my job to produce results. It is simply to testify to him. And if all I do in my poor, weak way is to Briefly say, I follow Jesus Christ who has saved my soul and changed my life and God will use that how he sees fit. We don't have to have everything memorized. We don't have to have half the scripture memorized. We simply have to open our mouths and testify to who and what he is and God gives the increase. Do not feel inadequate, but instead rely on the Lord. And again, many of us fail to do this, myself included, because we just never mentioned him before. I fail at this all the time, and then I feel bad. And then I ask myself the question, okay, if I truly believe that God has changed my life, that I'm a new creature, that I'm different than I used to be, and I know all those things to be true, but how could I know someone for six months, a year, two, three, four, five years, and have never mentioned him, and now all of a sudden I'm going to try and convince him how important this person is when I've never mentioned him? How long do you think it takes before someone knows that I'm married to Amy? Not very long. How long do you think it takes before someone knows that I have children? Not very long. Why? Because they are so important to me. And yet I ask the question, how long does it take some people to know that I'm just a believer? I struggle to answer that. I wonder how much many of us struggle to answer that. I want to read this one more time. and Then I want to read one closing passage. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go... It's an important word, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus Christ has all authority and all power on heaven and earth and has told us to go to make disciples and to teach and to baptize. And if you get worried about it, don't worry because I, the one who has all power, am with you until the very end. We have nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to be fearful of, and we should, just like the Apostle Paul, boldly walk into a synagogue and teach, boldly go up to those in a city who has fallen to idol worship and tell them the truth and reason with them under the power of God that some might be saved. I said I want to close. I want to read this one last section here. And unless my mind is changed at the end, here's what I want to do. I want you just to listen. I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to read from. But what I want you to hear is a summary of so much of what I just said. So listen as I read this section for the message of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. Listen to the concept of what controls or compels us as Christians and what we should do. Listen for the concept of a ministry, how we should be going forth and sharing the gospel. Listen to the idea that we should be ambassadors, which means we represent the king. And listen, for those who don't know, to the idea that we should be saved. And somewhere in here, I guarantee, if you listen to what God will reveal to your heart as I read this, you will find yourself. You will find yourself encouraged. You will find yourself challenged. You will find yourself comforted. I don't know which way or some other way, but God, I guarantee you, will speak to you through this passage because that is what God does. And so keeping in mind that we have been commissioned, sent, go back to that definition, the act of entrusting as a charge or duty to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. That is what God has told us to do. Let me read this passage to you for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died and he died for all that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sakes died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, whom through Jesus reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with Him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For He says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of of salvation pray with me Lord we come to you today Lord being reminded that you have given us a commission a task you have anointed us you have told us what to do we cannot sit down and wait when we are compelled to go compelled to tell when we are told that we are ambassadors representing you, when we are given instructions that we are to go and to tell the world about you. Lord, I pray that you would give us an. Ear to hear a mind to think and an eye to see where you are leading and guiding us and how we are to fulfill this whether it is at our homes or at our schools or at our work whether you are sending us to another state another city or even another country wherever it is that you send us to go on a daily basis or even on a journey lord i pray that you would give us the guidance and the strength Lord, that you would compel us and control us to share the gospel, the truth of who you are to a lost and dying world. Lord, that we would all be known as those who are turning the world upside down, that we would no longer hide who we are, but that we would simply stand on you and your death, and your burial, and your resurrection, that you conquered all of it, that you have the keys to all of it, and that you have told us to go and to tell others to make disciples out of the world. Lord, this is part of why we are here, and we fail miserably at it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us, help us not to fail. Give us the task. Give us the guidance. Give us your spirit to guide us into all truths, into all ways that we are to go so that we can take the gospel, the good news of you to the lost and dying world. Lord, that we can attempt to repay the one who's paid everything for us. And Lord, may we truly remember that you have all power and all authority and you are with us today as much as you were 2,000 years ago when you arose victorious from the grave. And may we march out of here confident that you are God, that you are control, that you will give the increase and I am only to try to share your good news. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us. I pray that you would fan the flame inside of us, the burden, or that you would compel us and drive us to your service, that we can give the message so that you will win the world for yourself. Lord, we pray all these things in your most holy and precious name. Amen.